I'm nervous about today. Why? I heard a why. <laughs> because what I'm going to talk about today is something that I think we talk about a lot as believers, but I don't think we fully understand the weight of this phrase. It is written. This phrase is in the Bible. Jesus said it. It is three words, in my opinion, that's probably one of the most important or the most important words that he's ever spoken. It is written. And what is written? Well, it's God. His thoughts, his words. And a lot of us in here, I think, hopefully, there's some of us in here that pride ourselves as being men and women of our word. Am I right? Like, if I say I'm a man of my word, that means that what I say, I mean it. What I say, I'm going to do. What I say is going to define who I am. Because, let's just face it, sometimes what we say are not very good things, and people will misconstrue them and think of us differently, right, than what we think of ourselves. But we are men and women of our word. It defines who we are. It exemplifies our character, and based on whether or not I do my word or not will determine whether or not you trust me, whether or not you can rely on me. And see, with God, it is written. And so if there's anything you take away today, it is the fact that in his word, in the Bible, it is written. What he has spoken, it is written what he says today refers back to what is written. Everything that we do in our life, everything that we need, every wisdom, direction, everything we need is written. And if there's something in your life that you're missing, if there's something in your life that the world is feeding you that is confusing, then go back to his word, for it is written. Everything is found in his word. So let's turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. This is where I'm going to start today. John writes this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word is God. The word is Jesus. The word became flesh. God thought it was so important to communicate to us, not just through the written word, but actually to have his son come to this earth and walk and live and be a witness to it, to actually live it. And that's next week's topic, is how we as believers are supposed to live what we believe. Jesus is not physically here right now, but every time you pick this up and you get into it, you're spending time with him. You're spending time with the Father. 
It goes back to what I said a couple weeks ago about the Holy Spirit. As Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, that I will provide you a helper. And the reason why the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, is to bring to remembrance everything that I have said, to also give you peace that the world cannot give you, but only I can give you. But to bring to remembrance everything he has said, if you don't know what he has said, if you do not know what is written, then what are you going to pull from? Your own thoughts? What the world says? Listen, the world is saying an awful lot right now. And it's becoming more and more bold as to what it is saying. This is our first line and only line of defense. Our first line and our only line of offense. This is offensive to a lot of people in the world. But is it to you? Are you ashamed of it? No. See, the world thinks we're foolish because this is what we believe. On the contrary, it's foolish because it don't believe. And I'm going to talk a lot about this today because I think there's some of us in here that are confused, that don't know what to follow, don't know what to obey, don't know what to believe, and they, all of us, need to be in God's Word. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, how many of us, so I know we're not Jews, we're Christians, right? But how many of us believe in him? Hopefully everybody in this room believes in him. He said to those who believed in him, if you abide in my word, kind of goes back to what was said last week about if we abide in him, we can bear fruit, right? Much fruit. But if we abide in his word, You are truly my disciples. So if this is something that you abide in, then you are following Jesus. You are his disciple. He says, you will know the what? The truth. The truth, right? You will know the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. You will know the truth. And what will the truth do? The truth will set you free. Amen? Amen? Will set you free. How many of us need some freedom today? I certainly could use some of that, right? Well, you want some freedom? Then know the truth. If you want to know the truth, then be a disciple of Jesus and abide in him, which is abide in the word. So when somebody says to you, and I don't don't want to do this today, I don't want to sit here and beat you over the head and say, you got to get in the Word. You got to get in the Word. You got to study the Word. When you hear the word study, how many of you think that's a positive thing? Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Let me ask it this way. If you hear the word study and you think that's a negative thing, like, oh boy, I don't want to study. Okay. Yeah. Look, see, I I joined you guys over there. Okay. (laughs) Study. Oh, I don't want to study. Yeah, guess what? You're going back to school, you're going to have to study. See, it's, a, it's kind of a negative word, right? To study. When I went to college, my, my major was, was history. And I emphasized my, my special field that I went into because I was going in the military was military history. That's what I was studying. And I had strategy books that were like this thick. 
I had to study Clausewitz and other strategists, and I had books like you wouldn't believe. I have some of them at home still. They're big paperweights now. But my professors would make us study, and I'd go through hundreds of pages. Like, I would literally fall asleep because I was studying so much. So when I hear the word study, that's the last thing that I want to do. When I hear the word you must read, or that phrase you must read, that's the last thing that I want to do. But see, here's the problem is we cannot equate college textbooks, high school textbooks, studying manuals and stuff that you got to study for your job. We cannot equate that with the word of God. We just can't. See, studying is for knowledge. Reading God's word is not just for knowledge, but it's for power. It's to know God. It's to know his will. It's to actually hear him speaking to us. Because remember, as a disciple of Jesus, meaning you believe in him, you received him as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is there. It's helping you to illuminate what it is that you are reading. That's so important. So what I want to do right now is I want to go ahead and pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for everybody that's in this room. I just want to thank you, Father, for all, the, all of us that are here today that are interested in understanding what it means to open your word, to immerse ourselves in your word. Father, I thank you that you helped me to clearly explain it further today and also to open people's hearts to receive what is being said today so that we have a hunger, a desire to open your word and spend time with you, Father. I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't want to bash you over the head this morning, but what I want to do, I want to create in you a burning heart desire. A burning heart desire. There is a passage in the Bible where Jesus appears after his resurrection to two men that are walking to a mouse or Emmaus. And those two men realized that it was Jesus resurrected at some point when they, when they went ahead and they had dinner together and Jesus broke the bread, they realized, oh, that's him. And he vanished. He went away. And they were retelling the story back to the disciples to tell them about the fact that Jesus indeed is risen. And they said that as he spoke the scriptures to us, our hearts burned within us. That's what I want is for our hearts, by the time I'm done with this, to burn within you, to have that desire to actually get into God's Word. So some Bible facts for you. Bible is the Greek word biblios, which means scrolls. We didn't always have the Bible in a nice, neat book. Scrolls became a book around 400 A.D., 66 books in all. They're written by 40 different people, some prophets, some kings, some apostles, followers of Jesus. There's 100 million copies per year that is sold. Okay, that would make the bestseller list every year. So what they've done is they've taken the Bible off the bestseller list, to be fair. 500 million version Bible apps have been downloaded 
So the Bible app that Life Church created called Uversion, 500 million have been downloaded. It is banned, regulated, or censored in 50 different countries. It's translated in over 690 languages. There are multiple translations as language has evolved so people can understand. So yeah, you've got your King James Version. And then fast forward to now, you have the Passion Translation. You have the Message Translation. There are many different translations. The best fact of all is it is simply truth. It's simple. It's just truth. It's who God is. It's what he wants to say to us. It's his love story, his love letter to all of us. But the problem is, is the world looks at this as a book of regulations, where ultimately it is a book of love providing us loving boundaries so that we don't harm ourselves or harm others. So it went from scrolls to books to apps. Hebrew, Greek, multiple translations. And see, we always get that question of, well, how do you know? How do you know this is true? I want to tell you how I know this is true. God is extremely protective of his word. And if we're going to put his name in this book, and it's going to be spread worldwide over centuries as much as it has, there is no way he would allow that to happen. There's no way. To have millions upon millions upon millions of people misled because of this book, no way. This is truth. So how is it written? How is this book written? Well, Paul writes in 2 Timothy, this is what he said. In chapter 3, verse 16, he said, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, all scripture is breathed out by God. Remember what I said about that, that series that I did about the Holy Spirit, the very first week that I talked about God being, or the Holy Spirit being the breath of God. When God breathes out, he breathes out life. He breathes out the Holy Spirit, which is pneuma, like the wind. Okay, it is the breath of God. Like I think of Adam, God breathed life into Adam. I think of, again, the Holy Spirit. I think of Jesus in the resurrection, how life was breathed back into his body. God breathes out life. And what he does for us is as he breathes out life, his life is his word. So when he speaks, when he speaks, that is power. We can look and see in the beginning of Genesis where he said, let there be light, and there was light. When he speaks, there's power, there's life. And see, the Bible is what he has spoken. And as I said, he still speaks today, so everything you hear that is from God can be going back to what he has already spoken and what is written. Everything measures against the word. His word is who he is. It is life where there is death. It is light where there is darkness. Need direction in your life? 
Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So why? Why is the word written? Continuing on in verse 16 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, says profitable. The word is profitable. Say that word with me, profitable. It profits my life. It's profitable how? For teaching, for reproof, for correction. Wow, that's one of the reasons why the world does not like God's word. That's part of the reason why we in the flesh rebel. We don't like correction, do we? And for training in righteousness. This is so important because in a nutshell, what Paul is writing here is that the Bible provides us boundaries. Boundaries. Those boundaries are not meant to be crossed. And it's not because I'm concerned about God judging me or condemning me. It's because this is what he told me to do. And if I do this, then it's going to go well for me. Amen? It's going to go well for my life. Because I'm not crossing those boundaries. I'm kind of reminded of whenever I used to take my kids bowling. How many parents have had a, a bowling birthday party for your kids? And so what do they do with those lanes? They put up, they put up these, these things to keep the ball. So they can, they can roll that ball down the lane and go anywhere. But those boundaries will keep that ball going to where eventually to hit the pins at the end and land its target, right? Whether it's one pin or all of them. That's exactly what God's word is if our life is like a bowling alley. Sometimes it feels that way, right? And see, that's the reason why I think, for the most part, the world rebels. That's why the devil rebelled against God. Didn't want God to tell him what to do. He wanted to be God. And that's the world today. And so the boundaries that God provides in his word is profitable. Profitable for us. Why is that? Verse 17 says that the man of God may be complete, right? We will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If we're in his word, if we know his word, if it's written on our heart, and then what happens from that is we're equipped for every good work. We are now able to be fruitful. To be found in him is to be complete so that we can be fruitful in our lives. So he has opened the line of communications. This is a line of communication. This is your iPhone. This is your friend who talks to you. This is also your friend who will encourage you but sometimes tell you something that's difficult that you need to change. Like, because now we have the Bible on our phones, for those of us who are technology savvy and you have the apps on your phones, you can download the Version Bible app, is always with us. Like, technology also has provided no excuse for us not to know God's Word. And really, it, it doesn't matter what medium you like. I like both. I like the electronic. I like the actual hard copy. It doesn't matter 
But what I'm saying is, now we have no excuse for not being in God's word. Are you hearing from God? Have any of you said, I don't hear from God. He doesn't speak to me. I mean, it's nothing to be ashamed of. If that's the case, then like I said before, the Bible is the primary way God will speak to you. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to share with you my methodology for how I get into the word. But ultimately, it's our responsibility. If you're not hearing from God, then there's something that you can do to hear from God. Open the Bible. Open it. Put him to the test in the sense that when you open it, ask him to speak to you. And he will. I promise you. There is something you're going to read that is going to literally breathe life into you. So this slide I got on the screen behind me. God spoke and it is written. That's what we have, the Bible. But God still speaks today. He still speaks today and it is confirmed by what is written. This is important because we have people that will walk around and say, I got a word from you or I got a word from God to give to you And whenever they give you that word, it may sound good, but you might want to look at it from the point of view of what the Bible says. Because whatever is said through a word given by somebody, like Cheryl said, God is our source. Absolutely. There's multiple things in the Bible that says that God provides for all of our needs. He is our source. But see, as much as we want to weigh what people say to us, that claim that God told them to tell us, as much as we need to weigh that against what is written, the same thing for whatever the world tells us. You take what it says, and as you know more about God's word, which means you know more about him, you know about his will, then you can clearly see what is truth and what is not. And we're in a place right now where the world is feeding you a bunch of lies. So say this with me. It is written. written. Matthew chapter 4 is where I'm going to go. This is probably the best example of applying the word. This is the best example as to why we need to know God's word. And this is when Jesus was led into the wilderness to confront the devil. So beginning in verse 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness How many of us are led into the wilderness by the Spirit? Every day you leave your house, you're being led into the wilderness. Every day. And what we're going to see here with Jesus is that he was armed and ready. He was ready for whatever the world or the devil could throw at him. Every day. When you leave to go to school, when you leave your college dorm, When you leave to go to work, you are going into the wilderness. You are putting yourselves on the front lines. And if you don't have his word, then you will. You will be misled. You will be destroyed. So Jesus, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Uh, That's all of us in here. God does not lead us into temptation, but the devil will tempt us every day. 
And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came. So here comes the devil. What is it you're hungry for? See, whatever it is you're hungry for, the devil will pervert it and try to provide you something to feed that hunger. So with Jesus, he was hungry for food. The Bible says he was hungry. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. So when the devil came, he was not going to be tricked. He was not going to be made a fool. And he said to him, the devil did, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written. Like he knew, but he is the word, but he knows the word. He was ready. It is written. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is what we live by. This right here. If you don't live by this, then you will fall into temptation. If you don't live by this, you will believe every lie the devil throws at you. If you don't live by this and know this, then you will believe whatever the world is feeding you. The tempter comes, but it is written, and we cannot live on bread alone. And some of us, my friends, are living on what I refer to as Wonder Bread. We're living on Wonder Bread. And I feel very bold right now because I think a lot of us need to understand that this may taste good, may seem good. You know what? This stuff has no nutritional value whatsoever. Like, I would love to slap some peanut butter and jelly on this right now, and I know everybody's hungry. I'm sorry. Where, where's Pamela Sutton? That, that's a long story. Months ago, I talked about peanut butter and jelly. She loves it. So peanut butter and jelly on Wonder Bread sounds great. The world is feeding us Wonder Bread. Jesus said we cannot live on bread alone. However, we need to be living on the Word, Amen. on what God says. But see, the world does such a great job of packaging what it's trying to feed us that will eat it and provides no spiritual value whatsoever. There are so many examples, and I'm just going to step out on a limb here for a minute. You know, we just got through talking about Genesis, how God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. But God also created male and female. Well, it's intolerant. It's intolerant to, to think that there's just male and female. No, God said, God created male and female. And if you're confused by that, listen, God makes things very simple. And I think we overcomplicate things. If we are feeding on this when stuff about gender confusion starts coming up, the alarm bell should go on in your head and say, wait a minute, it doesn't sound right. But you wouldn't know that unless you're not spending time in God's word. 
male and female, but also marriage is between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And look, so I'm not, look, I'm not saying this for, for applause. I'm saying this because it's what God says. And if you think otherwise, I love you. I love you. And God loves you. And we're here to lovingly show you what God's will is for those areas and many more. And I'll go to something else. Maybe you have a drinking problem. (laughs) God talks about that too. Maybe you're sleeping around. God has something to say about that as well. It has nothing to do with the pet issues of the world. It has everything to do with what God has spoken and is now written. And as Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. Oh, it's old-fashioned. No, it is not. His word will never pass away. We're going to be in heaven one day for those of us that are in Christ that have put our faith in Jesus. His word's going to be written everywhere. This is not something to trifle with. Because again, his word provides loving boundaries. And some of us need to get over the wonder bread that the world is trying to feed us. I was watching a pastor preach actually about this very topic. And he said something very powerful. He said, the way the church has responded to COVID-19 makes him scratch his head and wonder how much are we actually in God's word as a church? Now, I'm not going to sit here and deny that COVID-19 is not a thing. No, absolutely. COVID-19 is absolutely a thing. Some of us in this room know people that who've died because of it. A lot of us in here have been affected by it. But the fear of how the church has reacted, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have closed the church down for a couple of months. That's not what I'm saying. I think there was some wisdom to that of being sensitive to what's happening, but also for people and for their sake, because there's a lot of people that have health issues. This thing will kill you. Some people are healthy. This thing killed you. I think there was some time that we needed to stop meeting and assembling just for a period until we got some handle on what was going on. But what I'm saying is we reacted in fear. I'm not saying we shouldn't have worn a mask either because I think we should have worn a mask. I think it wasn't about the mask. It was about people. It was about whether or not they looked at you and were like, why aren't you wearing a mask? You know, I didn't want that to be an obstacle to me being Jesus to people. So I wore my mask. And I had people thank me for that. And it opened the door for love and for Jesus. But the way that we responded, and more so about the hate between wearing a mask and not wearing a mask, the hate about we should assemble or not assemble, there was so much division over that. And if that we were more in tune to what God has already spoken and which is written, then I don't think we would have reacted that way. Does that make sense? Right now, the world is so opposed to the Bible. There's things now that, I mean, 
There are things now that are happening that are so like in our face against what the word says against God, but our response to that, what is it going to be? Well, if we know the word, it's going to be in love. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 7, again, it is written. He said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, Be gone, Satan, for it is written. Everything the devil came at him with, he always referred back to what is written. So what is it you're, li- you're listening to today? Let's take it from the world and just boil it down to our own life. For some of you that are waiting for healing, the devil is saying, you will never be healed. What does his word say? By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. It is written. That should be our response. You will always be alone. You will always face loneliness. No, God will never leave me nor forsake me. It is written. You will always be financially strapped. You will always be poor. You will always be jobless. No, his word comes that God will provide for all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. That he will never let his children beg for bread. It is written. The devil says one thing. The world says one thing. The question that I have for you today is, are you a fool to believe what the devil and the world says? What blows my mind is the world thinks we're foolish for loving Jesus. I have friends, former friends, that think I'm a fool for going down this path. Really, ultimately, those who don't believe, the Bible calls them You're ashamed. You're basically a fool. And what we want to do is we don't want to tell them that, but we want to love them into God's good grace, for it is written. I've been unemployed three times. Three times I've been unemployed. The third time, I finally got it. The third time, I finally understood what it meant to be in God's word, and to know that it is written. And that third time, I was unemployed for about four months. And what I learned for the two previous times I was unemployed was, instead of worrying and fretting about whether or not God was going to give me a job, I decided to go ahead and just immerse myself in his word. I just started studying. And that was probably the most enjoyable time of my life when it came to building and getting closer in my relationship with God. In the midst of of something like a wilderness of being unemployed. And as I spent time in his word, what came over me was this peace and knowing, because I knew his will and I knew him by spending time in his word, that he was going to come through for me. And he did. And one day, I remember it clears a bell, I'm studying his word in my office at home. And he told me exactly where to go to get a job. The website. I went to a website. And I found a job opening. It was in Oklahoma. And I knew the person 
who worked for that company that was a friend of mine. And I'm like, oh my gosh, called him. He happened to be sitting right next to the hiring manager at a national sales meeting. And on the phone, he leaned over and said, this guy wants to apply for these openings. She's like, they're still open. I could hear her talk. And he said, he said, you want to hire this guy. And she said, well, submit the resume. And so I did. And within a couple of weeks, I was hired. But see, what I had to do is get my eyes off the situation. And I had to spend time in what is written. Do you need direction in your life? Do you need God to speak in your life? Do you need something to happen in your life? Is there something, like I said earlier, that you've been waiting for years upon years upon years for God to come through? If you need something, then I'm challenging you to go to his word and study what is written. Luke chapter 24, verse 32. These are the two men on the way to Emmaus where Jesus appeared to them after he resurrected. And this is what they said to each other as he was speaking. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? My, my challenge to you is this week, if you are not in the word, if you're not opening the Bible, my challenge to you is start, start tomorrow. I'll just be, look, Sunday afternoon, and everybody wants to go home, rest, whatever. Monday, tomorrow, let it be the first day that you make the decision that I am going to open his word and I'm going to spend time in it. So how do, how do I do it? What's my routine? The very first thing I'm going to say, and this slide will show you, if you can read it behind me, is open your Bible. How many of you have a Bible at home? Raise your hand. How many of you have your Bible on an app on your phone or in your device? That's a lot of people. Okay. How many of you don't have a Bible? It'd be bold. It's okay. How many don't have a Bible? Is Tim here? Tim Sternberg. Is he here? There you he Yeah. Stand. Everybody look at Tim. Tim's over there in the corner. So if you need a Bible and you didn't want to raise your hand today, if you need a Bible then we're going to get you one. When service is over, I want you to go see Tim at the coffee bar. So as you exit these doors, right to your right, you'll see the coffee bar. He is going to take your name and information down, and we're going to get you a really nice Bible if you don't have a Bible. The very first thing, thank you, Tim, the very first thing that we want you to do is open the Bible. That's what God wants. That's what I want. That's the very first thing. What I do is I also, before I even get into it, before I even start reading as I start praying, I just say, Lord, what is it you want to reveal to me? Sometimes I'll ask him for revelation because sometimes I've read some of the things that I'm reading a hundred times over. And I just want to know what he wants to say to me through what I'm reading. The third thing that I do is I'm going through and I'm reading Sometimes I'll come across something and it's okay to ask questions about what it is that he is saying through his written word. Like, what does this mean? Like, I'll even verbally say it out loud. Like, I'm not quite getting this. Or maybe it's, it's something that, that catches my attention and maybe I think I know what it means. But 
I end up asking, hey, what is it that you, you're trying to say to me through this because I'm stuck here and I need to know what it is that you want to tell me. When I'm done, I'll thank him. I'll thank him for his word, for allowing me to eat of not the wonder bread, but his word. And then what I do is I, I, I meditate on what I read. Like the things that he draws out are placed on my heart, and I will just meditate on those things throughout the day. You know what this is? You know, last week I talked about praying without ceasing. This is really just the continuation of that, is what it is. If I believe that God can speak to me as I'm just praying, that's awesome. Which means I can also believe that when I'm reading his word and spending time with him, that he's going to speak to me. And he does. And he will. That's what I do. So where do you start? Maybe, maybe you're not making it a daily routine. So where do you start? I always say start with John, the gospel of John. It's, it's the love gospel. I mean, everything you want to know about Jesus, that's probably the best one. That's the most heartfelt one, in my opinion. Then you have the rest of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you're a detail-oriented person like me, you love all the details, then read the book of Luke. Luke used to be a physician, very detail-oriented. He goes through everything, very detailed. Start with Luke. When you're done with the Gospels, go to Acts. Acts really is a continuation right after the Gospels, it continues on about how the disciples, once Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit was poured out on them, how the disciples went and started the early church to the fact that we are here today as the church because of how they went forward and started to preach the gospel. And then after the book of Acts, then my recommendation is Psalms. If you ever want to see the heart of somebody that's following God and is going through some stuff, well, David was that man, Read the book of Psalms. It's very raw. And as I'm reading, one of the things I didn't mention is I like to imagine what's going on. I, I have a, a very, I think, a good imagination. I like to see things cinematically. I like to look in, 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 with, with my eyes and, and, and see in my, in my mind, see the, the story unfold before me like a movie. And that helps to drive it home into my heart. So what do you use? Do you use a physical copy? Or do you use an app? My opinion, and it's not gospel, okay? But my opinion is hard copy is the best. So you can write in it. I'll have a picture of my Bible right here. This is the one I've, I've outgrown. But you can see how I've chopped that up. And you're like, wow, isn't that sacrilegious? No. No, but I, again, I'm the kind of guy that, I mean, I underline, highlight, make diagrams, circle. I mean, I'm trying to literally eat. Like, I want to get this in here. And it's not just so I could be an effective pastor and have hopefully good sermons for you all to listen to. No, this is my relationship with God. It's all about that relationship. It's like as you're starting to date somebody, you want to know everything about them, right? 
And as you become married, you still need to know everything about them, amen? It's the same thing. I'm married to God now. I belong to Jesus, and so I want to know everything I can about him. And so I just do everything I can to get the word in my heart. So if it helps you to write, highlight, underline, whatever, then do it. It's not like this is like somehow, you know, a religious thing that you can't write on. No, this is God's word. This is an opportunity for you to get to know him, and he is very much okay with you writing in the Bible. Where? Where do you do this? Anywhere you could focus. Anywhere that you can focus. How much is up to you? I'm not going to say you need to read 10 minutes a day, half an hour a day, a chapter a day. Just read as much as you can in the time that you can give God, but give him your full attention. We need to stop looking at the Bible just as another book and look at it as if we were looking into the heart of Jesus. It's not study. It's an opportunity to know God and know his will. Luke chapter 24, in conclusion, this is it right here. Verse 44. Then he said to them, this is Jesus, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Everything written points to Jesus. Everything. And when you decide that you want to spend more time with him and you open his word and he is going to open your mind, it'll provide you everything you need to live this life. You're taking notes. These are my final points. I got them on the screen for you. We're unfruitful in our life because we don't know what is written. And when we don't know what is written, we don't know God or his will. And what I want more than anything for this church, for those of you that call yourself home churchites, what's the, homies? Homies, all right. (laughs) Then what I want for you more than anything is not just to be fruitful, but to know God and to know his will so that when that comes, and it's going to be coming a lot more, what is, your, what is your medium for information? Is it CNN, Fox News, what at Newsmax, whatever it is that you're, you're getting fed from the world, when this comes, you can say, no, thank you. And what happens is the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance everything that Jesus has said, everything that is written. So there's something else we offer here at the church, and that is classes. Now, Pastor Jeff, and I have a slide for you, he's going to begin a new series in the book of Romans next Tuesday, right, Jeff? 
September 13th, okay. So in a few weeks, he's gonna begin a new series in Romans called Grace and Peace to You. Jeff is amazing. Let me tell you something. This man has helped me out a lot. Long before I was pastor, I used to go to portions of the school, the local church, and, and sat under him and learned a lot from him. Class is not a supplement, or I should say this, a replacement for your time in the Word. This really is one-on-one between you and God, and then his class, and anything that you listen to, anything that you read that is not the Bible itself is supplement to your time alone in the Bible. We want to make sure that you have everything at your disposal so you can be well-equipped. If you have any questions about what it should be like, how, how should you have that time in the Word if you're somebody that's new and spending time in the Word? If now you have that burning heart desire that God has given you, Jeff, it'd be great to answer those questions. I'll be in the lobby after service to answer those questions. I know there's been a lot of information that I've given to you today. If there's anything that you can remember is it is written. And the only way you're going to know what is written is you open the Bible. If that's all you take away from today out of everything I've said, then you're golden. You will be fruitful.